This episode of Truth's Table is brought to you by Penguin Young Readers, publishers of children's books for all readers. Our mission is to ignite a universal passion for reading by creating books for everyone. Visit penguinrandomhouse.com. Welcome to Truth Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we answered this question honestly. Whatever, whatever bubbles up. <laughs> so I'm tired. Oh my gosh. I'm tired. Not like sleepy tired, just like. It's just too much, too much, too much out here in these streets. That's what I, that's how I'm doing. Aware of my, aware of my soul tiredness. How are you doing, E? Listen, listen <laughs> I, I'll take a double untired. <laughs> it's been, you know, we've had an exhausting couple of years. Hello. Um, we are still in a pandemic. So <laughs> tiredness is warranted. Weariness is warranted. Um, so yeah, I'm yet trying to hold on, but, 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 you know, we are. Yeah, but still remaining hopeful. I mean, we are at the tail end of the truth table, season five. Can you believe it? Season five? I don't even know how many seasons we have. Listen, listen, we've been here before. (laughs) (laughs) Many, many. Listen, we've been here before, but I feel like this is the first time we've had like our series continue throughout the entirety. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. And, what, and what series is this, E? What's the name of this series? We gonna learn today. All right. And the topic on the table is disability in the church with Andrea Levant. Welcome to the table, Andrea. How you doing? Hey, hey. hey. I I don't I don't know if I want to co-sign on the tired, but I probably. It's true, but um, but I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful to be here. So thank you for having me. We are so we don't have to like the truth. We don't have to like it. Truth is true. Truth is what Right? Yes. Listen, joining the 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 chorus of tired sisters at the table. <laughs> we part harmony right here. Listen, yeah. thank you so much for being honest. Because she was really thinking about. It. I was like, she's like, I don't want to join in, but you know, I am. I, I'm tired. <laughs> Listen, this is how it is. All right, <laughs> this is where we are, y'all. Well, just in case, just in case y'all don't know who Andrea Levant is, let me tell you a little something about this sister who isn't always tired, but tired right now, along with the rest of us. Right today, exactly. Andrea Levant is a nationally and internationally sought after disability inclusion expert. She is widely recognized for spearheading a global disability justice movement as impact producer for Netflix's Oscar nominated film Crip Camp, executive produced by President Barack Obama and Mrs. Michelle Obama. Andrea is founder and president of Levant Consulting Inc. 
LCI, a social impact communications firm that offers cutting edge corporate development and content marketing for brands and nonprofits. LCI's specialty is helping brands speak visibility with confidence. Her work has been featured on Good Morning America, NBC, Essence.com, The Root, Paper Magazine, and a host of other national media. As a Black disabled woman, Andrea champions intersectionality and is committed to working toward a future where all people, particularly disabled people of color, are seen and valued in culture and society at large. Welcome to the table, Andrea. We are honored to have you Um, at Truth Table. My goodness. Uh, Honestly, for a long while, we've been wanting to have um, a sister at the table who can talk about the the language of God Mm. (laughs) and disability. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I wonder, Andrea, just just to start out, can you talk to us Mm -hmm. about your faith journey, how you came to faith in Jesus Christ? Yes, I will. I think, you know, I, I, I don't think it's so unique. I grew up, you know, my parents were Southern. And so we went to church and um, I, it's funny, my mom was sending some pictures a a few weeks ago. And one of them was of my baptism when I was, I think I was seven, seven or eight in the, in the basement, you know, like the basement church and they pull up the floor, you know, um, the pool is under the stage, that situation. Um, but it was interesting thing because, um, so I'm a wheelchair user. I, I have been my entire life. I was diagnosed with, um, a form of muscular dystrophy called spinal muscular atrophy when I was, when I was, um, around 24 months. So my lived experience is as, you know, a black disabled person. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as I was looking at those pictures, thinking about, you know, what, they had to do even to get me into the, into the pool. It it was a, you know, a thing. Right. Um, And so in terms of the faith journey, it's one of those where, you know, I remember um, being in a Sunday school class, you know, and then saying, you know, do you believe in, you know, all these, and I'm like, yes, of course that, you know, um, that resonated with me as a young child. I think the fact is that it's a journey. And so um, I remember in high school hearing these testimonies of folks where they would, you know, talk about how they, all these things that they had been through. And, and, you know, I was out of my, you know, when I wasn't in my right mind and all these things. And I'm like, well, I don't really have a creative, you know, story like that. And then, of course, for everybody, that time comes and then you kind of sometimes wish that uh, you didn't have all of the testimony that strengthens your faith because of the things that you go through. And so for me, the journey has been a lot uh, when it comes to faith in correlation to uh, my experiences as as a disabled person um, and kind of how the Lord sees me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so that has been that has been a journey. Um, and so I'm grateful to be where I, you know, am now feeling whole and feeling accepted and feeling very much like I'm his. So, yeah. Wow. What a beautiful, beautiful testimony. You know, um, there was so much that you lifted up in there, but I'm curious, Andrea, if you could talk to us just about, you know, identity is something that many of us struggle with, right? As we're coming Mm -hmm. of age, trying to figure out like, who am I in Christ? Well, first of all, am I in Christ? That's step one, right? And yes. Once you are in Christ, by God's grace, you're like, well, who am I? What am I right. here to do? Like, mm-hmm. even just our own, like the way that we see ourselves physically, 
um, mm-hmm. we some, most people grapple with and um, mm-hmm. really struggle uh, with. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about, um, did you have any of those um, identity uh, uh, struggles and tussles with God at all? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think I, one of the biggest things that, and I'll, I'll say that um, we as disabled people specifically um, narratives within the church and what we see, what we hear, what we know about healing and what, who is essentially broken and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, what needs to be fixed. And I have a very apparent disability. I am in a wheelchair, right? Mm-hmm. And so when it came to that, um, I spent, honestly, from high school, people would start coming up, you know, even to my parents when I was younger, talking about having dreams of me walking and oh, um, and yeah. visions of me you know, walking. And you're reading all these stories in the Bible where, you know, most of the time if there's, there's a lame person or a crippled person, or, you know, all these other kind of um, uh, archaic words that were used. Um, you never saw anybody like me or heard of anyone like me that um, essentially could just be them with their, you know, physical needs. And so I struggled a lot with feeling, um, you know, like I, didn't need to be fixed, you know? Um, And so from an identity perspective, a lot of times people, you know, it's easy for folks to say, well, not easy. I'm lying because in this day and age, it's not easy. But we, when we think about how we identify, it's like, you know, I'm a black person, I'm a woman, you know, and so disability tends to be othered, you know, Uh um, and it really, But what I've come to now is the understanding of, you know, when you think about identity and when you think about uh, culture, even, um, and the fact that culture is built around um, experience, you know, like experiences, like language, all of those things, disability is is a culture and it is an identity. But I struggled um, with that for, uh, you know, into my late 20s, even, you know, early 30s, specifically wanting to be healed. So I can't tell you how many church services um, for over a decade that I spent just coming in going, okay, am I going to please let me leave here differently? You know, Mm. please let me be able to leave this wheelchair, you know, at the altar. Um, You know, please, uh, um, you know, I just literally, I mean, it was, we would fast, we would pray. My friends would fast and pray. My parents were fasting and praying. Mm-hmm. They would lay, laying me out on the altar. I mean, all of the things, going to the healing mm-hmm. conferences, the Benny Hinn type of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. it, uh, it was, it was, it was difficult to kind of live day to day waiting for, you know, and then trying to figure out what you're doing wrong Right. Um, because you're not seeing the manifestation of something that you believe, you know, is necessary. So I went then I went through, OK, do I not have enough faith? Well, it says a mustard seed. I feel like I have a mustard seed. Do I need more than a mustard seed, you know, <laughs> or um, and then being called that. Well, you know, people would say I would hear different things like if you would 
you know, deal with your anger, then you'll be healed. If you would deal with this, then you would be, I mean, there were so many things, right? Um, but really though, you know, now I, I look back at all of this stuff, but I was just trying to figure out what I could do, you yeah. know, um, to feel fully, mostly embraced by, you know, God. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then ultimately believing that that would help me be accepted by others. My goodness. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. There's, there's so much, um, you know, just, just, you know, it's just like, it's praying and praying and, and you know, and the natural, the, the default, right. Is oftentimes I'm reminded of like Job and his friends, right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and his friends were like, well, maybe you did this, maybe you did that, yep. maybe you did, you know, and it was yes. like, oh, it was not yes. that. Like, you know, you were born this way. This is the way that God created you. Um, I'm curious about your own um, evolution, maybe on your view of disability. Because I I, I hear your, um, your, your progress and your journey and your story. But then I also hear, and I love the church, but I also hear the church maybe stuck (laughs) for for lack of a better term. I'll just say stuck. Um, Mm -hmm. With maybe a, a very narrow or mm-hmm. a one-dimensional view of disability, yes. if we have a view of it at all, exactly. um, if there's a way uh, that we conceptualize it beyond simply labeling it as brokenness. And so I'm wondering, yes. first of all, can you talk to us about what is ableism? First of all, can yes. you define that for us? Um, because that could be new language for the church. What mm-hmm. is ableism? Um, Mm -hmm. And how does it maybe show up in the church or how did it show up in your life as a Christian in the church? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the long and short, and there's so many beautiful definitions of it, but it really is uh, ableism essentially is prejudice against um, Mm -hmm. bias against uh, disabled people. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's a very cold down version of it. um, Because when we look at, we can look at historical um, narratives of, of what it's set within because it often has to do with how, what, who we deem, what bodies we deem worthy, um, mm-hmm. and acceptable. Yes. And often that's time that's tied to productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at that, even in terms of uh, we, we call it down to, um, black bodies and how, you know, we were even from slavery, even, even before Absolutely. that. Um, those connections. And so we can really see um, ableism rooted in racism uh-huh. um, and, and things of that nature. So anyways, that's the, the short version um, at the end of the day. But, um, and so absolutely, uh, I tell you to this day, I am always nervous entering a new church mm. because it is rare that I can go in and um, they, somebody doesn't come up to me and say, can I pray for you? Can I put my, lay my hands on you? And, um, and, uh, and they want to pray for, for physical healing. And in my case, I'm like, sure, I can always use prayer, but it's not my legs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, can we pray about my business growth? Can we pay, pray about, you know, this particular decision I'm trying to make, but people don't yeah. even ask, you know, yeah. they don't ask. They automatically assume if I'm coming to the altar or if I, I didn't even, I never liked going up to the, to the, you know, during the prayer call or the, you know, the calls or whatever, because I, because I was nervous 
that that people would always assume that this is the one thing that I was looking wow. for, you wow. know? Um, and that wasn't always the case. Um, mm-hmm. And so absolutely in general, the thing is there's the church, it just remains this huge dis to me, the, the largest disconnect because of the fact that we have um, what, what we know of and who we identify as needing healing, you know, it's so narrow. Um, I believe that um, we then it, that's where we see these ableist practices. And then from a, not just from um, an attitudinal space, but quite frankly, just accessibility, you know, um, can we, can I enter the space? I remember growing up and like the choir stand wasn't accessible and they'd have to carry me in my wheelchair up into the choir stand because I wanted to be able to sing in the choir like my friends, you know, um, or like the, the Sunday school classes in the church basement and they have to, you know, you know, carry me down there. I mean, that's physical disability. You know, you've got obviously, you know, so many others that are seen and unseen um, needs that are not met because we really do. It's so narrow. And I uh, feel like um, we when we think about the, the, you know, the statement that the church is, you know, the church hour Sunday mornings is most segregated, you know, um, hour. Even yeah. when you think about race, it's, you know, very similarly, it's it's not just segregation in terms of race, but it just meant to be like, it's like everything is so homogenous. It's all, everybody's supposed to look the same and have the same, you know, and this one goal. And, and the thing is, what's really unfortunate for me, I remember going to a conference some years ago. It was a church conference, thousands of people and, um, I looked around and I'm like, I don't see anybody with a disability. And that made me sad because mm-hmm. you can't act like everybody has been healed. Do you know what it like? Um, what it means is that we haven't created spaces where people feel welcome, you know? Um, so, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I really wondered about even the physical accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, that you raised um and you're mm-hmm. right and, and you're talking about like my legs ain't my only problems I, I i thought about you got 99 problems and your legs ain't one that ain't it it's the other stuff i got going exactly. on exactly i think that's helpful exactly. um mm-hmm. here anyway mm-hmm. see i know you got yeah it's about- a, that's a humbling reminder that oftentimes we we project our biases onto people and think about what it is they need, what they need deliverance from or to. Exactly. And I mean, and I, I can just think about that, you know, just we, we assume what people are in need of without mm-hmm. having the humility to, to ask. Right. Yes. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that's, that's just a helpful uh, correction for all of us. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious about how you, um, how you've drawn inspiration, um, strength, from the church, um, from from scripture, from mm-hmm. um, you know, despite the clear weaknesses of the community, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. blind spots, the ableism, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and and it, and uh, sadly the lack of humility to learn. Mm-hmm. How how have you grown? How, how have you gathered strength from your faith yeah. community? I say all the time, I don't know 
I, I literally wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for Jesus. Like I just, you know, mentally, I, I, I'm like, if I didn't know that I was, um, put here with purpose, you know, yeah. like it, and it, and a purpose larger than myself, I, I would have checked out a long time ago because it's so, it's hard. Right. Um, and so my strength comes from, and, and I remember at some point, I think in college, discovering the story, and I can't remember the exact scripture, uh-huh. um, but where, you know, there's a fo- bunch of folks around Jesus and, and there's this guy who is, you know, blind. And so everybody's asking, right. you know, well, what did he do that he was born blind? You know, was it something his parents did? Was it, you know, whatever? And he and Jesus says, you know, it's all for my glory, you know, essentially. And that. Um, that is the one, you know, that was the one that I felt like I could hold understanding that, um, my experience, I, it it was like processing the scriptures, like being unique, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made, um, you know, understanding that, um, you know, I've been created with purpose and that, um, far bigger than myself and just, and really sitting with recognizing that, like, I'm not going to understand it all on this side. We just aren't, you know. Right. Um, but um, it has, I, my fuel is, even on the hard days, is knowing that um, I've been entrusted with. Um, I remember some years back um, being at a, a, um, a conference, actually, because I lived in D.C. for over 11 years. And I'm um, being at a conference and um, it was like a prophetic moment. And the, the pastor said to me, um, you know, I gave it to you because you could handle it. I was very offended in the moment because I was like, what if I didn't want to, what if I don't want to handle it? But at the end of the day, what I have grown to understand is that, you know, we each have been given, God has entrusted us with, um, you know, an assignment essentially. And um, I believe this is mine, you know, I think the reckon, what I've had to reconcile along the way though, is um, when it comes back to the things around, you know, what I was saying in my church experiences is that I believe that if the Lord wanted me to get up and walk in this very moment that he can, you know what I mean? Like I trust him, but it's not, it's not, it would totally be for his glory because I'm perfectly fine where I'm at, you know, in this chair and this with this lived experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, and honestly love who I am as I am. But it's also, it's that, it's that kind of nuance of knowing that he can, that, is that his will for me? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm perfectly okay not just okay, but love, love where I'm at now. Um, and I think that even within the disability community, there's, um, there's just so much kind of discussion around that because there is folks that are saying disability pride, I wouldn't change this. I want to be, you know, I, I please, you know, I want this. This is who I want to be. I don't want to be healed. Then there's those that are saying, you know what? This is a struggle. You know, this body is not the easiest one 
uh-huh. to be in. And if I had my way, I would change it. And I think it's okay to be any and all of that, depending on the day, right? And that is what I think um, from a faith perspective, I've, I'm, you know, had to grow to be like, okay, with these, the ambiguities some days. Um, some days I'm like, please take this cup from me. <laughs> like, it's hard. And then there's some days when I'm like, no, I'm good. I love this. I got to be on the red carpet as the first Black disabled woman on the red carpet with my service dog. You know, like that wouldn't happen if I wasn't a chair user, you know? Mm. And the visibility for our community is so necessary. So it's, but I will want to answer your question to kind of circle back. I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for um, who I know that I am in Christ and Mm. accepting that. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. That, that tension, you know, um, is, is so real, right? We're Mm. as Christians, we're sorrowful yet always rejoicing, right? There's always this battle Mm. for like satisfaction, contentment, but we still want you to, to move on the things we pray about God. You know, yeah. so I just, I just like the authenticity and just the trans- transparency mm-hmm. of your mm-hmm. own journey and the various views within the yes. developing views, actually, yes. within the disability community as mm-hmm. well. Um, well, you know, on that note, let's take a quick commercial break um, so that we can um, stretch, put down our notebooks, you know, and then we're going to come back to the table and learn some more from our sister, Andrea Levant. So don't go nowhere. Take a little stretch and come right back to the table. <laughs> Stunningly, there is not a U.S. picture book biography already about Nina Simone, which is why here at Truth Table, we are proud and honored to present to you Nina, a story of Nina Simone by Tracy N. Todd. This book will be the first American picture book that tells the story of the one and only Nina Simone. Its stirring and timely message, Nina's voice was a rallying call in the civil rights movement and her songs of protest and strength offer an important message for children. This picture book lends itself nicely to discussions about activism, the civil rights movement, and the protests of today as it inspires kids to activism through music and art. It also introduces the next generation to Nina Simone and her music that sparked a movement. Truth Table listeners can purchase Nina, a story of Nina Simone by Tracy and Todd at penguinrandomhouse.com or wherever books are sold. And we are back at the table with Andrea Levant, um, learning so much uh, from our sister about uh, disability. Uh, so, see, take it away, girl. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and, and I'm so grateful for all that you are sharing with us and just, um, yeah, just the way that you are helping just provide um, just gracious correction to our thinking and so I just appreciate you so much for that. And and I'd love for us to hear and to learn a bit more about your day-to-day work, um, your your activism work, and just kind of how where God has led you kind of in your vocational identity. So tell us a little bit about that so that we can be better informed and think about how we can also partner with you. That sounds great. Absolutely. So, you know, what started out as a personal journey, I'm I'm grateful that over the years, you know, when lived experience can kind of come together professionally, um, that's great. And that's a gift. Um, and so, you know, I started out when you talk about activism, it was my own 
activism specifically around healthcare needs and, um, you know, being a person that was working, but also still requires day-to-day assistance and um, needing, you know, funding around that. So I did a lot of, um, again, living in D.C., did a lot of personal advocacy on Capitol Hill and Mm -hmm. the White House. And you'll see me in front of various buildings with a big megaphone. It just, you know, depends. On the day, but that in and of itself, let me tell you, is a journey because I, going from a place of essentially shame around disability because of the 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 idea of being broken to you know this place of then advocating not just for myself but for others um, was a journey in and of it itself. Um, but I think in that acceptance that I talked about earlier, that made me more comfortable in spaces like that. And then what happened is that as I was um, able, the the profession or the the personal advocacy, but I was working in various organizations leading disability focused efforts. So I worked for Girl Scouts for seven years, working on disability inclusion and thinking about how um, girls with disabilities could be um, included in in that, that programming. And then worked for another organization that received government funding around helping young people with disabilities transition into the workforce. And so a lot of times when you're working in nonprofit, you're also interfacing with, you know, government agencies, with corporate, you know, uh, corporations, things of that nature. And the consistency that I found was that, um, you know, and talking to anyone was really similar to what we're having here today, which is it's not so much that people are unwilling. They just don't know. You know, it's not that they're um, at this day and age like, no, we don't we have no desire to uh, think about this population that is honestly we're one in four. We're the world's largest minority group. Um, But it's just a there's fear. We don't know. We don't want to say the wrong thing. So we just don't say anything, you know, Um, or, you know, there's just this just general not, you know, lack of understanding um, around the the experiences of disabled people, the needs of disabled people, and quite frankly, the humanity of disabled people, which is the fact that, that we're human first, you know, and we have the same desires, the same Absolutely. needs as anybody, um, as non-disabled people. And so for me, in the same way that I am a huge, you know, proponent of and and believe in the power of what prayer does, which is being a conduit, right? Bringing heaven into earth. What I could see is there a need being a need to have, you know, to um, lead work where we could uh, essentially be that that conduit that that bridge between those that don't know but the desire to do better and the community of us that you know have these desires and these needs um not just from you know a very basic level of like healthcare and you know the 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 kind of very basic needs but also just in culture you know what i'm saying we want to be able to experience entertainment we want to have love lives we want to you know all of those those yeah. things. And so the um, the work that we do, Levant Consulting, is really around, um, you know, working with brands um, that understand, that are really committed to um, shifting narratives 
overall, um, but helping to shape the way that um, the world really reaches, views, and values disabled people. Um, and we do that through education and training. Uh, we do that through um, strategy, you know, building overall through helping people think through their marketing. You know, it's also about, you know, in as much as what your internal company culture looks like and how you're engaging with disabled people, but then also um, how are you reaching your clients and your customers um, with disabilities as well and helping and just helping companies think through and plan for all of that. And so we get to do a variety of of projects, everything from nonprofit to, you know, film campaigns and things of that nature. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds really, really um, just interesting and um, engaging and purpose-filled light, um, work, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, I, I'm, you know, I'm curious, Andrea, I have so many questions, but I really want to know about, um, you know, disability in the Black community, which I know could be its own subject, but there is a sense in which when you, the rare times that you finally do see a disabled person represented in the media, they're oftentimes white. And yeah. so what I mean by that question is I'm trying to get yeah. at, can you talk to us about the Blackness of disability? You know, yes. black within um, the Black community, because I, I I know anecdotally, we we got relatives, we got play Come on. we got, yes. And so who, who are disabled and, and maybe they might want, they identify maybe differently, right? There's mm-hmm. different, you know, um, mm-hmm. forms of disability, mm-hmm. but can you talk to us about just the, the diversity of um, disability within the black community and yeah. And just the lack yeah. of re- re- representation there as well. Talk to us about all the things regarding that. <laughs> I, I love this. You all are asking the best questions is so great. Um, So, yes, the thing is, um, we talk a lot about the fact that one there's one in four disabled people in America. We often don't drill down to the fact that there's one in four Black disabled people um, in America. And there's one, we talk about one in six Latinx and one in 10 Asian. So, um, I say this every day, at least once a day to somebody, and that's disability is not a monolith. It's not, it doesn't look, you know, um, the same way. And the fact is, as Black folks, we, um, disability is is certainly more prevalent because of, um, often, um, because of our lack of access to resources and to other, you know, when it comes to pre-existing conditions, that's what we call them. The thing is, within the Black community, we call so much stuff, even, you know, other things. Like you said, my cousin, he's just different. You know, he's disabled and it's okay to say, you know, to say that. And um, and so I think that also there's so many nuances. Number one, we have experienced so much, you know, mar- marginalization and just oppression in general as a people that I believe that it's like by adding yet another essentially, quote unquote, wrong thing, um, it does, it, it, we, we don't want to be stigmatized anymore, you know, than we often already are. And so then that places us in positions where often we're not even um, provided with the resources that we need to be able to, to, to address our needs as disabled people. Then there's the fact that, you know, for example, when we look at things like 
the school to prison pipeline and who's labeled early on and how that, you know, you're automatically put into, you know, these special education classrooms. And we look at our black boys and you get, you know, a white a white boy who's, um, you know, diagnosed with ADHD and he gets an IEP and, you know, all of this, these, you know, services, wraparound services around him versus a black black kid yes. who goes underdiagnosed and then, you know, ends up in the system because he hasn't gotten the right, you know, the, the right resources. And so, again, that continues to perpetuate, unfortunately, the net negative stereotypes where we don't want that label because it's only going to cause more, you know, harm that it is um, than it will good. And there's so many other things when we look at um, even everything around Black Lives Matter. There was a whole movement last year um, that was acknowledging um, Black disabled lives matter um, because the fact is when you actually look at the statistics of those that have been killed by police, Black people that have been killed by police, even when you, when you look at who it is, 50% of the people that are killed by police are Black, are, are disabled. <laughs> so... Um, the, so disability is connected to all of that. And, and oftentimes it's um, w- within the black community, it's overlooked. And so, um, but like you said, we don't see enough of ourselves. And until we see more of, um, of ourselves, and it, it was the same thing that I'm sure our parents dealt with in their generation, just around not seeing um, themselves represented in media. Mm-hmm. When you don't see yourself as worthy as valuable. You think it's only a white people's experience. Um, it's not, you know. And so until, I mean, I moved, you know, till I was in into adulthood, it was the first time that I really had Black disabled friends. And you know how it is when you get into a room with Black women. I mean, it's one thing to be with Black people. That's great. You add Black women, that's even better. Then for me, you add black women with disabilities. You just, it's like that's and so that continues to because I see myself in these other folks. Then it allows me to go out into the world and do the work that I need to do. And so we need more of that. We need more of you know people creating space at the table, you know, for us to come together and have these conversations and realize and acknowledge the fact that you know our experience, my experience as a physically disabled person is going to be different than, you know, a black, you know, a deaf woman or, you right. know, a black woman with a mental health need. And so the more of us that we can have in conversations, not just like these, but also at decision-making tables, that's when I believe that we'll be able to share, you know, to shift the narratives. And so an example of that is thinking about these, these organizations that have been around forever you know, even the black focused organizations. I remember, you know, when I started in my career, my dream was like, oh, you know, thinking about folks like the Urban League and the NAACP and others, you know, and and still wanting to see myself, you know, even in those places. And so I think that's where we need to grow. Absolutely. I mean, the the image that you just gave us and that good reminder of just... um, the power of kind of intersectional affinity space, right? So mm-hmm. uh, being with people who yes. you're not identical, but you, but the closer we get to being able to capture each other's stories and the unique, uniqueness of that, we mm-hmm. start to see ourselves better and we start to, we, we feel our own humanity in those spaces. Mm-hmm. 
important that is. You know, I, I would love to know from you what are some um, what, what are some kind of magic wand things that you wish that you could change in the area of um, disability uh, activism or justice or inclusion. So, uh, what would it look like if you if you know if you had your your genie your one your one wish as it related to the church, as it related to government and policy, as it related to education, or just the way that people think? Could you mm-hmm. could you grab a hold of some of those different areas and just help us to expand our um, sanctified imagination, right? About yeah. uh, about what what better, what healthier, what vibrant would look like as we think about inclusion and belonging for uh, people with disabilities? I love that. And we don't have enough time to cover it all. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier. And that's like seeing disabled, not just seeing, but valuing disabled people as people. Um, not in the sense that, you know, uh, we're other, but really that we're, it's like the concept of being better together. Say that a lot is that, you know, um, we work with a lot of corporate clients. And so I say things like, you will have no more innovative and creative of uh, people on your staff than disabled folks, because we're used to work to navigating in a world that isn't built for us. So we're always coming up with ways you know, to make things work and, you know, creativity and stuff like that. So, um, so it's that it's valuing us and demonstrating that across the board. You know, I have, you know, started out kind of working from a policy perspective. So I certainly, you know, from a governmental thing, there's just so much around funding um, that needs to happen. There's, there's so much, I mean, when we think about just disability as a social justice issue, like that's, the first thing is ensuring that disability is part of these social justice um, conversations overall, acknowledging um, where even from um, within the media, um, how disability is or is not uh, represented. When we think about voting access, when we think about um, things like guardianship, when we talk about education access and police reform and all of those things, disability needs to be a part of um, not just a part of that, but solutions are always, you know, needing to be, that needs to be a part of every single um, conversation there. I think, you know, personal, more on a personal note, um, I am really about, you know, so we we have, you know, things around disability rights, which really have to do with ex- access and equality. Disability justice is about, you know, understanding um, the perspectives of, um, those of us that are often marginalized, even within disability, so people of color, you know, um, LGBTQ communities, others. And then for me, I'm really about the culture, you know, and so that is that, you know, designers are thinking about how to fit disabled bodies in fashion, you know, um, that uh, again, in, in the movies and on, you know, television, that we're seeing disabled people um, and their authentic stories being represented. Um, you know, that there are travel experiences that are inclusive and thinking about, you know, I want to be able to travel to Italy, no problem, and know that, you know, my needs will be met. So I think magic wand for Andrea, you know, is those types of things that I can fully and that we can fully participate in all that society is meant to be in this day and age um, without concern about um, it being us being included or um, accepted. 
And then within the church, it's the same, you know, I would say the same things. It's like, I just want to get to a place where, honestly, I can probably count on one hand the number of friends I have that identify as Christians um, that are disabled. And that makes me really sad um, because, um, and I know that it is because, you know, we have a lot of these conversations. I see these narratives on Facebook of being stopped on the street. You know, can I pray for you? um, You know, or just these negative experiences that they've had in encountering um, uh, people in church people, as as they call it. And so it has turned people away and we have a lot of work to do. Mm, My goodness. You know, Andrea, I, I, I love the world that you're dreaming up with your magic wand. Mm -hmm. Um, that in the way is just juxtaposed with the reality, you know, mm-hmm. of what's going on right now currently and what's going wrong, mm-hmm. um, maybe in the church with disability. I think my my final question to you, because we ain't got hours and hours <laughs> and you're a busy woman, um, is I wanted, you know, to see if you could do a little myth busting for us at the table and um, mm-hmm. talk about maybe what, like, I would love for our sisters to be at the table to be equipped to... Um, to know how to better think about uh, disability, to uh, how to pray about um, being a better thinker and neighbor mm-hmm. uh, to our uh, disabled kin in the faith mm-hmm. and our neighbors who are not yet in the faith, right? Because they're, they're in hell um, by the way that Christians are um, have been approaching them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm curious about... Can you talk about what Christians concretely, what are some things that Christians get wrong? I know that even in our language, sometimes we, which, and I, I know that we mean well, it's like, you know, God woke me up. You put me in my, I'm in my right mind. Right you know, mind. I'm in my right mind, you know, and I got the activity on my lens, even like, things like that. Can you talk to us even about how that could fall into the category of ableism? So what are the mm-hmm. things that the church, um, what, what do we get wrong about it and where can we get mm-hmm. right? Can you give some yeah. tools to our sister at the table to begin to reorient our thinking um, yeah. around disability so that we can be better stewards and better neighbors uh, and, yeah. and, and siblings to our, our disabled sisters and brothers in the faith? I love it. Um, I, everything you said is so true. I, I Every time I think I'm like, the activity of my limbs, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Depends on what that, you know what I'm saying? Um, and and I, I do have to do a lot of translating in my mind of like what it is that they really mean. And so I think when it comes to ableism and specifically ableist language, it's taking time to think about what you really mean. You know, what are you really, you know, trying to say? So, and I, because we don't have time to go through a whole me to give you a training right now on ableist language, what I would say is to Google just Google ableist language. There are things that we say every day that we don't realize are um, perpetuating um, this ableism. And not just that, but honestly, there, so, so there's things like, you know, that's crazy. Well, you know, that's a, a phrase, you know, when it's connected to mental health that doesn't have a, that has a negative connotation. Can we sh- shift those types of things? The other thing is just in general, how we, the, the pity that I feel like I literally can 
can feel, um, you know, when I go into new faith spaces where there's like this, oh, you know, and, and um, I think if we, again, acknowledge whatever, you know, okay, this person seems different, they may be, whatever, but um, not from this place of inspiration, even, um, a lot of times we, we 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 call it inspiration porn um is is actually the phrase that it's used um and it's basically when we take things that are everyday and um and you heighten it because well look at this person if they got up in the morning then i should be able to to you know I and did it's not like, like that oh my god no yeah i didn't know there was a label for it oh Yes, that's what it's that's what it's called. Inspiration inspiration porn. So that's another Google term for you all to look up. You'll see you'll see a lot of of, of visuals around that. So I think it's addressing um it's addressing that and and that the the very basic thing is just asking. It's not making assumptions um about what people need or desire. I've given you a lot today. Yeah. But it's Andrea's. It's Andrea's thoughts and Andrea's experiences, yeah. and um, you know, and coupled with things that I've heard. But the fact is that we are all at different places when it comes to even disability identity. Not everybody's proud of their disability. Not every, you know, there's so many different. And so it's about asking, hey, how do you want to be identified? Some people use people right. first language. They say I'm a person with disability. I say I'm a disabled person. They mm. call that identity first language versus mm. person first language. So um, it's it's that and it's just literally saying, you know, is there any way I can support you? I think it's about normalizing um, the fact that we all, you know, we all have bodies and they're all worthy. It's normalizing needs and the fact that we're all, you know, all of our needs may be different. So for example, one thing that we do in our meetings, we call them access check-ins. And I could come to you with an access check-in today, you know, hey, you know, how are you today? My access check-in is, you know, that my muscles are a little tired today, having I'm moving slow. You may see my caregiver come and hold my cup up because I can't hold it. You can have an access check-in and be like, I have a migraine today. I need to have my camera off, you know, um, because or you could just be like, I haven't eaten, so I'm going to be, it's normalizing need. And I think the more that we can do that in the church wow. yeah. and outside of it, then um, we'll start to kind of break down those those barriers and stereotypes. That, that point about normalizing need, right? Just honoring our own humanity and allowing people to be inspired by their story, but not, um, yeah, this inspiration porn, the way you laid that out. I think yeah. it's so important for us to us to think about and to reckon with our own language and and as we know better, by God's grace, do better. We do better. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for um, sharing your world with us. You didn't have thank to. You. And, and, and educating us, because um, I know that, that that's a labor, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. so thank you for doing that. Um, I know I've I've learned a lot. And I'm going to continue to Google and learn more um, yes. on how to we'll better serve um, and come alongside and normalize yes. need. There's a lot yes. that you've given. You've dropped so many gems. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I got a lot of needs right about now. So, <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you. Yes. That's so it's so important for us to know, like, this is not like you said, you know, this is 
You're like, I'm not coming up here for my legs, for prayer for my legs. I'm coming mm-hmm. up here for prayer for all these other things. Just just being mm-hmm. able to see our disabled neighbors as fully mm-hmm. human, uh, yes. right? And containing multitudes yes. just like us. And so I, yes. I just thank you. Thank you so much. And I think we are also starved for disabled representation, needing to also see you all on the screen. Right, yes. needing to see you all on commercials, needing to see you as newscasters, um, yes. so that we know that this is a normal way of life. Exactly. <laughs> this is a normal exactly. way of life, and that we can also yeah. begin to, uh, yeah, just to begin to see that and and, mm-hmm. and 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 have that inclusiveness in our own life. So, thank you so much, Andrea. Thank, thank you. Can you talk thank to you our sister at the table and tell them how to follow you and your work? And this is your time to plug away, sister. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I, it's easy. I'm at Andrea Levant. The big thing is the spelling. So I have an extra A, A-N-D-R-A-E-A, uh, Levant, L-A-B-A-N-T on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube, anywhere. Um, and there's so much more to come. You'll see uh, a lot out there, but um, there's more work to do. And um, I'm I'm thrilled to be in conversation with folks like you. So please reach out. Whoever you are, we love to keep this going. Yes, yes. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sitting at the table with us, Andrea. And of course, we want to thank our sisters for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode. We go learn today. Disability in the church with Andrea Levant. Uh, you can use the hashtag truth table. Black women, y'all know, or maybe you don't know, but truth table has a black women's discipleship group on Facebook. So make sure to follow truth table on Facebook and join our Facebook group today. Invite your homegirls, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at truth table, or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth table has a Patreon account. So y'all can send your love offerings to www.patreon.com slash truth table, or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truth table. Truth table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York, and we have been your hosts, Akemi and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.